All right, so I know that a lot of you out there missed a lot of major milestones because of COVID. Birthdays, graduations, weddings, proms, championship games. I get it. But my guest today, he missed his retirement. Yeah, he had to put it off. More on that in a minute. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Soft winds blow in the summertime Young lovers feel so free Walking hand in hand down a shady lane What happened to me? What happened to me? Did you ever love a girl who walked right out on you? You should know just how I feel this. Isn't that lovely? That is the music of Buffalo Springfield, a band which featured my guest today on the program, Richie Foray. Let me tell you a little bit about Richie Foray. The Ohio-born Richie Foray has a resume that's kind of staggering. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee was not only a co-founder of Buffalo Springfield, he was also a co-founder of Poco, and he was in the Agogo Singers the Souther Hillman Foray Band, and he fronts the Richie Foray Band as well. Busy guy. Although Buffalo Springfield wasn't around that long, the band reformed in 2010, and Foray found himself playing everywhere from the British School Benefit to Bonnaroo. A singer whose phrasing is as graceful as they come, and a guitar player who is both thoughtful and dynamic, Foray is not only one of the greats, he's one of the main architects of the country rock sound that later influenced bands I grew up listening to. People like Green on Red or Uncle Tupelo or the Dream Syndicate. Foray was set to retire from the road, but the pandemic thwarted those plans. So his farewell tour had to be put off. Dates are being rescheduled, but in the meantime, the singer-songwriter has just put out a double live album called 50th Anniversary Return to the Troubadour. It's a staggering set of classics that showcases the depth of Foray's songbook. That depth can also be seen in the upcoming Cameron Crowe-narrated Richie Foray documentary, Through It All, The Life and Influence of Richie Foray. This is a quick one, but a cool one. Here's me and Richie Foray having a chat right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. I've got so many projects that are actually in the works, ready to be released right now. 
And, and it's like, yeah, can I really retire? I don't even know if I can retire. I mean, this is crazy. But you know what? Who wants to retire, really? <laughs> right. And what does a farewell really mean? I mean, ultimately, right? Yeah. Yeah, it means I'm going to go fishing, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I don't go to Disneyland, so, uh, I mean, I'd like to, but <laughs> the rivers are closer. Did does the sort of the time the delay of it did it kind of play with your head a little bit where you thought well maybe I'll uh, I mean did it make you reconsider or you you're pretty pretty firm in that you know I was always thinking I would be doing one offs you know it was just I think the retirement of just having to do a um, you know a series of week long events and or two weeks or however long you know I mean it's hard to be away from home for two weeks but. Uh, uh, you know, those kind of things. But I think I always had in mind that I'm going to do one-offs. And I, that's regardless of what happens, I'm still going to do one. If somebody says, hey, would you like to come out and, and, and maybe just share a few songs and bring a couple people along to play? And I'm doing that. But to put a band out on the road for me, um, you know, the way that we've had to travel around over the last, uh, I don't know how many years, 10 years or so, it's just, it, economically, it's just not feasible for me to, to really take a, a band out. Um, but I can get two or three people uh, to come out. I get my daughter to come out and then a guitar player. And, um, and then I, I got this other guy that I've been playing with that plays the fiddle and the mandolin and the banjo and the dobro and those kind of things. And so it just kind of fits into my music and it's a lot easier to travel that way. Yeah, and also the idea of, I talked to Dewey from America and those guys are still pretty much road dogs. They play a lot, yeah, they right? Are. Yeah, and yeah, they, they do. And they're, they're good friends and boy, are they good. We played with them when I mentioned that Copper Mountain show. I think that was the Copper Mountain show that John told me about freight and storage. But uh, um, th those guys are, are really great. Uh, they can, you know, I mean, I think with, with the success that they've had over the years, they can certainly travel a little easier um, than, you know, what, I what I've been able to do. And I feel like we've done a really good job with, with what I can do in bringing bands out. But it just got to that point where, you know, it's just too much now. I get it. I get it. But you still do love the idea of being on a stage in front of an audience. That's a pretty cool thing. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. It's yeah. always a heart beater though, man. After even all these years, man, it still causes your heart to just kind of boom, 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 you know. And yeah. It's, it's to see people come out and, and, and enjoy, uh, you know, the music and, and say, hey, you know what, man, we really like what you've done over the years and we thank you for it. And that's really sweet. It is. And it, it's kind of interesting to hear you say that it still, it still makes the heart beat the way it does. It's still, it's still thrilling and it's still electrifying and it's still nerve, nerve addling in, the, in all the same ways. Absolutely. Because you always, you always want to do your best, man. And, and it's like, I, I, I think about, you know, playing today. Years ago, uh, you know, you, you forget a lyric. Oh my gosh, it's devastating. It's like the end of the world. Today, you know, even when I would go out in the last, you know, year or so, and, and oh, I forgot a lyric or something. I just bring out a piece of paper and say, will you hold this up for me? <laughs> <laughs> what, what is, um, what's happening to you creatively? It seems like you've got a lot going on. So it almost seems like you're more creatively alive, I guess you could say, than ever. It's, it, it's amazing. I mean, some of these things are obviously holdovers. You know, the, the, uh, uh, the 50th anniversary return to the Troubadour that I did the double CD and, uh, and video. Uh, you know, we recorded that at the, uh, at, uh, in November of, uh, 
uh, I guess 17, I think it was, or 18, November 8, it was re yeah, recorded in November 18. And then, you know, uh, as the process of getting it out and then COVID comes along and the, and the country shuts down and everything shuts down. And so it's been kind of like on, on hold. And uh, fortunately, it is on its way out now because um, there have been already a single released and David Stone has another single. It's, it's like progressive so that by April 2nd, it will be released. And what a fun, I'll just tell you right now, it was a fun project. I didn't know, number one, if I could do it or not, um, simply because, you know, um, uh, it's like, how does anyone ever do a live recording of a live recording? You know, right. and that's, what, that's right. what I was doing. I don't think anyone's ever done that before, you know. But um, as I got to thinking about, it, I think, you know, of, of all of the different uh, little groupings of Poco that's out there, you know, uh, Rusty still has Poco going out. There's no one that could really do this. We were already doing probably, um, well, all but about four songs at some point in time in my career, I've had them in my set. And so I thought, well, we can just learn these four songs and, and put them together. And so when we finally ended up doing the project, um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Timothy came out and sang, he was a part of the live thing. Um, and, and so it was just really a lot of fun. That whole show was fun. Randy Meisner, I had Randy Meisner and Timothy in the room at the same time, man, which was just, I think it was really, really sweet for them. But um, uh, we, we did it, and, and, and you know, Alex, I really believe that the people that uh, so focused on, on, on Poco's Deliverant album, because it was a significant, significant album for Poco, yeah. I think to hear this, I think they're really going to appreciate the fact that the music has been, you know, it not, uh, we, didn't, we didn't change, you know, much. We brought the arrangements updated just a little bit, you know. Uh, uh, Ross Hogarth, he's the one that produced uh, the, the musical part of it. He did such a wonderful job. And uh, I just think people are going to be pleased. The, the video, uh, it, it's just something really neat to have documented. So that's one thing that I've got coming out. Then I've got a project, well, another project with David, is a um, a documentary that um, we've been working on for quite a while. Uh, Cameron Crow did the uh, trailer uh, over, you know, over uh, voiceover, and um, so I, I I was his first interview, or at least one of his very very first interviews when he was just a a youngster, you know, and I was too. <laughs> but um, so that that's that's still in the works, and that will be coming out probably next year. I'm hoping for now. I, I hope for next year. I'd like to see it. You know, things are moving yeah. on here. But then I have another project that I did record last November, not not this last one, but November 2019 in Nashville with my very good friend Val Gray. Um, Val's a wonderful friend of mine and, and producer, been very successful over the years. He was an engineer with, of course, Linda Ronstadt and and, uh, and James Taylor working with Peter Asher. Um, and we went to Nashville and we recorded uh, country classics. Just, they were actually songs that had uh, moved me in my life in, in some way or another, you know, that I wanted to do songs that I heard. And when Val actually came to me and, and said, hey, do you want to do this project? And we hadn't worked together since 1979 when he recorded my I Still Have Dreams recording. 
And uh, I said, well, what you got in mind? And when he said, well, let's do this, this thing of country classics. I said, hmm, well, let's start, you know, putting some songs back and forth. What do you have in mind? Let's see if we're fitting in the same, in the same mode. And, and when the very first song that was on the top of his list was a song that I wanted to record for I don't know how long, a song by a guy named John Barry, a song called Your Love Amazes Me. And it was his first song, and that was that was it, man. I said, from there, here we go. And so, you know, we we recorded 14 songs in four days, with just some of the best, wonderful Nashville musicians. You know, I got probably 95% of the vocals live, while the tracks were going down. Wow. Uh, I mean, of course, of course, they tweak it. You know, I mean, everything gets tweaked today and, and this and that and the other, but out of out of it, you know, Val was so impressed. He said, man, people are not going to believe that, you know, you're 76 years old and you're singing these songs. And I'm thinking, well, man, thank you, Lord. I've been blessed, you know, but uh, um, it, it was a lot of fun. We, we recorded not only uh, Your Love Amazes Me, I'll just tell you a couple songs. We recorded Keith Urban, Somebody Like You. We recorded The River by Garth Brooks. We did Country Roads by John Denver. Uh, went back so far since Ricky Nelson had such a influence on my life. We recorded Lonesome Town, uh, Mark Cohen's uh, Walking in Memphis, uh, Leanne Womack, I Hope You Dance. I mean, we just did a bu just a bunch of songs that have really touched my heart over the years and i'll tell you what this project is so good i can't even believe it man it's and again we didn't do karaoke we didn't want to just you know do the same song the way that the originals were we we made them ours but people will know the songs and they will say wow i think <laughs> i hope yeah and what an amazing uh, you know songbook spanning collection. I mean, Liam Womack to Mark Cohen to Ricky Nelson. I mean, that pretty much covers all of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we went, we went way, way, way back. One song I wanted to do is a song by George Jones. And, you know, for whatever reason, that one, it just, it just didn't quite, we just couldn't quite get out of the groove of, of how the original was. And we wanted to update, like we updated Lonesome Town to where it just, oh man. And Vince Gill, I'll tell you, Vince Gill's on it. So that really was pretty cool. But, um, um, but when we, when we couldn't get, um, she, she thinks I still care. That's the song I wanted to do. Um, at the end of the day, the very last song that we did as we were trying it was Picking Up the Pieces. So we did a recut of Picking Up the Pieces, kind of did it down the road from you a little bit, Bakersfield style rather than Nashville. So it's going to be an exciting record. And that was going to be coming out probably, um, I'd say, uh, the end of the summer, um, early fall. Wow. So that's, yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot going on. And are you, just out of curiosity, are you on a daily basis? Are you picking up the guitar? Are you singing? Or are there days where you don't do anything in terms of music? Recently, I have been uh, playing. Uh, I've written a couple a uh, couple new songs. One of them I wrote called America, America, that, um, you know, just kind of as I'm just looking out over the world issues and what's going on in the world today. And then, of course, you know, my my faith entered into that song as well. So I was down in Nashville about a week and a half ago or two weeks ago and uh, was on the, the Mike Huckabee show. And we, we did that show. We did that song live for the first time because I just recorded it in my bedroom, you know, or in a friend's bedroom. And then I have another song that, um, you know, I just wrote for a, a friend of mine contributed to the documentary that's coming out. 
And one of the one of the deals on on that David wanted to wanted me to do is so if we put this out here, if somebody will donate, you know, a little bit of money, will you write a song for them? And I said, David, man, that's, this is creativity. This isn't like just handing out tools in the tool crib that I did at Pratt and Whitney Aircraft. You know, this is this you, you got to be inspired to write a song. But I, I I agreed to let him go ahead and put that out there and see what happened. And this friend said, I don't want you to write a song for me. I want you to write a song for this other person. And uh, the other person was a, was a girl who's severely handicapped. And she comes to so many of my shows back in, uh, in the, on the East Coast. And um, so I, I ended up writing the song and we've just finished um, putting it really together. So I am still doing some writing. That's great. I love hearing that. Um, there, there's a great line by Joe Strummer where he says, um, on the road to rock and roll, there's a lot of wreckage in the ravine, right? And, I, and, I, and it's a very apropos line, especially for the era when you, when you were coming up and, and establishing yourself. And guys like, it would have been so great to have Graham Parsons still around, right? Sure. Um, Absolutely. You know, in terms of your, your lane of, of music. And of course, the list goes on with Morrison and Hendrix and all that. When you were a young man and you were watching these pe these people fall at young ages, I mean, all those people were t basically twenty-seven. Um, yeah. Did that was that was that terrifying to you in a way that made you reflect about your own um, wellness in an industry that doesn't really seem to care if you're well or not? I I think subconsciously, I'm not sure consciously. Uh, I tell you what did have an effect upon me, you know, it was when Buddy Holly and Richie Valens went down in, in Iowa. You know, now I was just a kid and that one really affected me. Um, you know, I, I don't want to sound, you know, like it, it didn't bother me or didn't it didn't cause me to think, yeah, these people, we on the stage at the Whiskey A Go-Go, you know, with the Doors and Jim Morrison and, of course, with... Um, um, uh, uh, now I'm losing my, my train of thought here. I'm showing you how old I am now. Uh, Hendrix, maybe not so much. You know, I wasn't so identifiable with him. Um, uh, who, who, um, I can't think of her name. Janice Joplin. Thank you, honey. My wife just walked by. I said, Janice Joplin. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what will we do without our wives? You know, 54 years, man, and uh, we're still still hanging in there. Uh, but yeah, it, it has to, it has to, um, you know, cause you to think about it. And I think over the years, um, you know, certainly as I think about, you know, my friends that were in my band, you know, I mean, Bruce Palmer, Dewey Martin, um, you know, you just think about you know, you, you think, hey, we're vulnerable, you know, I mean, life's not gonna go on forever, you know, on this planet, for sure. So, um, and it probably has caused me to just kind of, you know, think about, you know, how I am taking care of myself, because as you said, you know, not too many other people are going to worry about that. <laughs> right, right, right. What was Graham like? Were you, were you tight with Graham? You know, Graham and I were pretty good friends in New York. He lived across the street. He lived on the upside town of uh, of Bleecker. I mean, I'm sorry, of um, uh, Thompson Street, and I lived on the down south, down, downtown side. You know, uh, he, he was a little more uptown, living with a group uh, that were the New Highwaymen, and we became friends. And it was him that that really um, played a very instrumental part in my. Uh, 
you know, moving out to California, getting back together with Stephen, who was in the band, but because I was working up a Pratt and Whitney aircraft, handing out tools in the tool crib, like I said. And um, Graham came up to visit me one day and he said, you got to hear this record. And uh, he, he, he brought me the first Birds record. And it was like, oh my gosh, uh, I got to get out of here. You know, I mean, it's not that I don't like handing out tools in the tool crib, but you know what? I, I am a musician. And so um, I, I got a hold of Steven and I said, what, what you doing? And after a series of events, uh, he got back to me and he said, hey, I got a band together. All I need is another singer. Come on out and, and let's get it going. And so I said, okay. And um, I got on a plane. It was probably a couple, you know, a couple weeks later, got my things in order and uh, got out to California. Well, Stephen and I were the band. There was no band at the time. But you know what? It was, it was one of those situations that were just perfect. Because Stephen and I sat in a room across from each other, not more than, you know, probably, you know, so that we could glitch on one another. But we learned all of the songs that he had written for the first Buffalo Springfield record. We learned how to harmonize together. We learned how to uh, uh, phrase together. We learned how to just sing, you know, just sing together. So the, the time was valuable. So that by the time we made it to that little famous story on Sunset Boulevard where Neil had come down, you know, from Canada looking for Stephen and he had been there for a month and was on his way to San Francisco with Bruce because he couldn't find us and we're on our way doing something and stuck on Sunset Boulevard and that's where the band began. But um, Graham played a big part in me getting to in getting to LA when I heard the when I heard the birds playing folk music with electric guitars, it was like, oh boy, this is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is pretty cool. And also really cool of Graham to reach out to you and go, hey, man, you, you know. Yeah, yeah. And a sad story. You know, Graham, he just had trouble, you know, I guess, maintaining. And because um, we, you know, out in L.A., we, we got together again out in L.A. And, um, <clears throat> of course, you know, we were probably two that were very instrumental in creating what became the Southern California country rock, you know, era. And, um, uh, you know, with the Burrito Brothers, he kind of leaned more towards the countryside. And with Poco, we leaned, leaned more towards the rock and roll side. But we both had that same um, kind of aspiration of just bringing um, country music and rock music together. And that was nothing new. I mean, my, some of my influence, you know, were Carl Perkins and Gene Vincent and Buddy Holly and, and those guys, you know, who were, they were rockabilly. And that was, right. that was basically what my music, you know, I mean, what I really, I really enjoyed, even Ricky Nelson, you know, and Elvis and all that. But um, I think of Gene Vincent and Carl Perkins and guys like that, you know, that really, uh, really had an influence on me. Uh, and Graham was a fun guy to hang out with? Um... <laughs> Graham was an interesting guy to hang out with, particularly in New York City. But um, yeah, he he was he was wild and crazy. You know, he he was a little on the edge for me. Um, and and even in the latter years in California, when we hung out uh, a, a little bit, uh, he, he was a he was a little more um, he was a little more on the adventuresome side than maybe I was. Yeah, yeah, I think I get what you mean. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, now, in terms of, I look at the playing field, Richie, and I go, my God, it was just Titan after Titan. Um, were you a competitive guy or were you more a cheerleader in, in terms of like, you know, 
these guys are crushing it all around me and I'm, and I'm happy for everybody? Or did you go, wow, I got to up my game and, and get, get even better? Well, um, I, I, I don't think it was so much competitiveness. Uh, l- let's take it back to, to the Springfield. You know, Neil and Stephen were very prolific in their writing. And I did realize that after a while, you know, that writing became a very important part of my wife's phone is ringing away over here. I don't know if you can hear it or not. I'm sorry. No worries. Um, And so so they were, they they were, um, you know, I I saw that that was something that I wanted to do that I, I was, it wasn't that I wasn't a writer, but these guys were so prolific that, you know, I didn't have any songs on the first record, but it was the, the second record then um, that, that I started to get in, and join in um, and, and be able to write some songs. Where it all started to change, I think, and if there was, it wasn't even competitive competitiveness, it was in Poco, and after four or five years of not being able to um, uh, what do I want to say? Uh, get into AM music. We had all the FM, all the FM we wanted, and we could play. And, and I like to use this analogy: any SUNY, anyone from New York knows that that's the State University of New York. We could play any gymnasium in New York we wanted. You know, it was like that. But you know what? In order to in, in order to play in 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 little different venues and, and really get a more uh, visible profile, you needed AM radio, and we couldn't bust it. And there's where I became competitive, not with guys really within the band but with the whole music genre you know of goodness sakes you know we've got such a following but we can't we can't break into am music and uh one of my uh you know one of the reasons that i i just got so disheartened and 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 decided it was time to leave poco was the fact that you know when good feeling to know was released and it didn't it didn't become the record that we all thought that it was going to become um, you know, it was, it was like very, it, it was, that was a whole change. There, there was so many changes happening in my life at that time. And, um, you know, some were good, some were not so good. And it's just part of what my life was all about. But uh, it caused me to, you know, to find out, you know, I called David Geffen, who was a friend at the time. And David, what's going on? You know, can you help me here? Because I don't think this is going to happen, you know. And I knew how instrumental he was with Jackson Brown and with Linda Ronstadt and with the Eagles and, and, and that. And, uh, and so I called him and he said, well, let's just, you know, Chris Hillman's looking for something to do, and J.D. Souther, why don't we just start another Crosby, Stills, and Nash? And I'm thinking, that's all That's all it's going to take? I've been at this for six years, and, you know, just get together with these guys, and hey, they were a lot of fun to make music with. I think we would all agree, though, that what might look good on paper, J.D. Souther, Chris Hillman, Richie Fure, Jim Gordon, Al Perkins, Paul Harris, you know, what, what looked good on paper doesn't always translate into reality. And Crosby, Stills, and Nash got together in living rooms and played together and were really enjoying each other's company back in those days. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it was a difference on how they really um you know how, how it all came together for them as to where it was it was put together for us and i won't say that that you know um well i tell you what jd he came over to the studio when i was doing the nashville recording and i'm telling you you know it was a little i hadn't seen jd and talked to him for a long time now chris and i played together we've seen each other we communicate and talk you know back and forth but i hadn't seen jd for quite a while and and it was it was another heart thumper what's this going to be like you know i haven't seen jd in a long right and i tell you what it was one of the greatest reunions i mean jd was he was 
it was just like it, it, there was not intensity it was just like it was relaxed and it was so it was so good um because people like to you know they like to bring up think that there was dirt that was going on with the shf and that's why we couldn't do another record and get along no man there was so much going on in my life many major changes my wife and i who had been married for seven years were on the verge of separating for seven months and I didn't have a clue, but I had a clue something was going, I mean, there's just so much going on. So anyway, um, you know, the competitiveness, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't what people want to make it out to be, you know, I mean, for me, it wasn't, you know, yeah. I wasn't like, man, this guy's getting 18 songs on this record and I don't have one. No, I, I, I wasn't that. That wasn't happening. I know what you mean though, like when it's on paper, like sometimes you look at a, like at a sports team, like a baseball team and you go, I'm looking at this roster and these guys should be in first place, but they're not. They're unbeatable. Yeah, they're unbeatable. I know what you're saying, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah on paper is, is just not the same as real life. I get it. Um, I watched the Linda Ronstadt documentary, which I thought was marvelous. And um, it really a, a beautiful and, and heart, you know, really a heart-tugging documentary yeah. um what is it like for you and what is your attitude towards the past like if you look at archival footage like for the upcoming cameron crow piece i know you haven't seen the, the movie but in terms of pouring over um archival stuff from the past is that a is that a weird experience is that a, is that a strange feeling to look through that stuff sometimes it is you know it's like wow i mean people i'll see photos that i haven't seen before and i'm thinking wait a minute there's this guy, this guy, that's me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and sometimes it does, you know, after these years, because I, and, and I, I think one of the reasons that I said, because there was a time that I took like almost 10 years off. Uh, when I, I, I became a believer in Jesus Christ, and then I became a pastor. And when I, when that all happened, I thought, man, my musical is done. You know, I'm, I'm like, my focus is completely someplace else. You know, I want to, it was about the time that I was putting my wife and our family back together and this and that and the other. And, and so, so I took that 10 years off. So it wasn't like there was a, a steady progression from then till now so right. that's why i think with that gap when i look back it's like whoa man that was another lifetime but uh, um and sometimes it, it does kind of amaze me one of the things that really amazes me is you know now I, I again i've never had what i would call the success of the hit record i think that i've written some hit songs but i don't think you know that i mean for for whatever reason and it's nothing to really dwell on and nothing that i really lose sleep over at night but uh, the fact that that you know i'll sit and i'll listen to a song and i'll say wow man where did that come from i actually wrote music and i wrote lyrics and i wrote that just and that's what really blows my mind probably more than anything that I can still, and can still write today you know because i think yeah, some of the yeah. songs that i'm writing today i mean I, i'm very cognizant of a melody and i want them to have a theme you know but on my latest uh, the, the last actually album project that I wrote was an album called Hand in Hand. And it came out, um, I don't know, I guess it was about uh, maybe four or five years ago now. Um, I think it was that long. I can't remember how long ago it was, maybe four or five years. But uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of songs on there, man, that, that are, I mean, they're really deep for me. It's one of my favorite albums, you know, and I'm still thinking, you know, they're still, they're, they're, this is very listenable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I always wondered, Richie, if you, 
this is I've always wondered this is that the the no depression scene or the alt country scene of the last 25 30 years the Jayhawks Uncle Tupelo um, you know even stuff like Green on Red and the, those kinds of bands that were doing what you guys were doing were you ever was that stuff ever on your radar did you ever hear the Jayhawks were you aware of that sort of same country rock revival stuff that was happening in the alternative scene no I wasn't interesting yeah. You know, it's really interesting, too. I mean, when I'm in the car by myself, I'll put on music. You know, when Nancy and I are taking a road trip over to Glenwood Springs or wherever we're headed, I mean, we hardly ever play music. And there's really, I mean, we really, Christmas time, we play some music and now when all the kids and families come up. But I don't play a lot of music. And I don't know if that's a good thing or if it's a bad thing. But I think one one maybe positive thing out of it is I've never, ever in my career ever had to be, we want you to sound like this guy. It's always been something that has, that has been, you know, the genesis has been my, you know, this is who I am and this is how I hear music. And so this is what I play. And as much as people want to say, okay, yeah, and, and we did, we started a whole genre of music, you know, yeah. in, back in 1969, we started a whole genre, but um, it was still just music that I was just, this was what, this was the music that I liked, you know, and, and so we, we, we just, you know, carried that out. Yeah. What is it like to, I always, I always ask this, but because I'm kind of curious about maintaining friendships. It's a hard, I mean, it's hard to maintain a friendship just in general. Yeah. Um, but what about in this business? Are you still pals with guys that you have known for 50 years or, or is it, you have a good sort of uh, squad of guys that have, that have always been in your life? Well, some are obviously some are closer than other. You know, I mean, I, I would say that no, Neil and I, you know, we, we, we don't talk a lot. I mean, I'll, I'll send him stuff and, and maybe I'll hear from him. Maybe I won't. Steven, we will at least communicate. And if it's two or three weeks, I'll hear back from him. You know, I mean, there'll be something that connects. Uh, I, I'm, I, I would say, you know, out of uh, Poco, you know, Timothy and I, you know, we, Timothy's been on so many of my projects and Timothy has, has really been a support for me, you know, and I think part of that is because Timothy really realizes, you know, that there was a door that was open for him that came via, you know, me. And, and so that's really neat. Uh, there are some things, and I won't go into it, but, you know, there are some guys in Poco. Well, I was just with George two weeks ago in Nashville. You know, we made sure that we went over to see George Grantham and all. and, and all. But, you know, there are, there are some people that, you know what, um, for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe, maybe uh, you know, they think I'm too radically politically or religiously, you know, and too different from them that they don't want to have anything to do with me. And you know what? That's a shame. You know, because if we can't have differences of opinions and still communicate back and forth, you know, then, you know, there's something really, really, really wrong. But so, so there are some guys that I would say, man, I, I, I wish we could, I wish we were more talking more, you know, but we, some of us just don't, you know. Well, you know, someone said to me, like, how can you be friends with so-and-so? They're so different than you. And I say, well, I'm an adult. <laughs> so that's Thank you, Alex. That's, I like that. You know what? That, and that makes sense to me. Because anything else is like kid stuff. You know, yeah. it's kid stuff. Come on, man. Let's grow up. Yeah. And also, you know, music is such a unifying thing. It's sort of like, um, it brings us all together. It's, it's supposed to really ultimately unite us. It is the universal language, man. Opposite, yeah.
Well, that was fun talking to Richie Foray. Very cool. Uh, RichieForay.com is where you need to go to find out where those dates are going to be uh, that he'll be uh, playing. Live shows in your town, maybe. Check it out. Go to his website and uh, see what's going on and pick up the new CD. Uh, it's Look, are you still playing CDs? I hope you are. Are you a vinyl person? I'm not sure if this is on vinyl. It could be. Check it out. Go to the site and find out your format options. Of course, the digital one is always there. Uh, CD, uh, maybe, what would it be, 15 8-track tapes? Is that how they used to do it in those old KTEL commercials? I don't know. All I know is it's a great collection, no matter what medium you decide to employ. Uh, I don't, I'm getting so technical about it. Just go to RichieForay.com and grab it. AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. There is a new book. I'll be talking about it very soon, uh, so keep checking the site, of course, but keep listening to the show because I tend to talk about it before I update the actual site. So you'll hear it here first, and you'll hear it on my official site second. Does that make sense? Probably not from a marketing standpoint, uh, but then again, not much that I do uh, makes sense on a marketing standpoint. Bombshellradio.com is where you should go to find out what makes our radio station tick, you can follow me on Twitter at Ember's Editor. You can follow me on Instagram at Ember's Podcast, or you can just email me, editor at stereoembersmagazine.com. Who do you want on the show? Who should I bring back to the show? You know, maybe you have a recipe or two you want to share. Whatever. Drop me a line. I'll drop one back. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe. Tell a friend, have them tell all their friends, and, uh, you know, call them and say, hey, did you tell all your friends? And they'll say, yeah, I did. And you'll say, who? Who did you tell? <laughs> check, check your friend's work. Look, however you want to spread the word about our podcast, we appreciate any effort that you can make on our behalf. So thank you in advance for that. Let's close the show with a listen to one of those great songs from Richie's new live album. This is a Buffalo Springfield track. Go and say goodbye. Enjoy it. And thank you, as always, for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast only right here on Bombshell Radio. You asked me to read this letter that you wrote the night before. And you really should know better because she's worth a whole lot more.
you don't 